Well, good morning. I may preach fast today. We'll see how my voice does. It's been an interesting um, week. Nice little run-in with some COVID. <laughs> Made for a long week. But I'm here, thank the Lord. And uh, Mr. Eric told me just to preach hard and sweat it all out. So we'll see what we can do today. Well, listen, we've been doing a series called Christmas at the Movies, and um, I know everybody likes to go to the movies, right? There's something about that experience of, of going out and going to the movies. But there's also something really fun about not going out to the movies, but still having the movies. Now, I have to tell you, um, I have a guilty pleasure um, when it comes to movies, and my children and my husband absolutely make fun of me for it. And that is that I love a good Hallmark movie. I like a nice, tidy conclusion in an hour and 15 minutes with no upheaval, no drama. I like a just a little, little tied up in a bow, and I can feel good about my day. Um, but my husband, in, in, um, in his need to make fun of things, um, loves to make fun of Hallmark movies. And so he has, we've really got to start submitting these because I really feel like there's a market and he should be making money off of the ideas that he has. So he's come up with some great plots for some Hallmark movies. But um, I want to talk a little bit about a Hallmark kind of uh, expectation maybe that we have for life sometime. But I wanted to find a clip um, of, of a Hallmark movie that really encapsulated all that you find in the perfect Christmas Hallmark movie. And I think I found one. So this is a little trailer. Some of you, if you've seen it, I just want you to know I have seen this one. I have watched it. And I know some of you have too. So don't even, don't even play. We'll just act like we have and be like, oh, that looks so cheesy. Yeah, it is. But it's fantastic. And it was um, perfect for what I needed that day. So anyway, let's see all of the cheesiness that is rolled into a perfect Hallmark movie. my fancy lawyer granddaughter. Has any city boy snapped you up yet? No, not yet. Ryan Mason. Julia Crawley. It's been a long time. It has. I saw you blushing yesterday. It's a nice smile. I think I sense a crush. Well, hello, my favorite innkeepers. Did Mom tell you about all the great centennial Christmas celebration activities? <laughs> Dessert bake-off. Who's ready for Christmas trivia? The snowball toss. It's officially on. It's on. I assume your father will be entering? Oh, the whole lot of us. As long as the Crawleys don't win, I'm fine with that. Ah! A lot of lights. It's the Masons. They put up decorations. I see the Mason-Crawley feud has not dissipated. Edgestone Resorts wants to buy our inn? It's the same letter my dad got. I don't get what's so great about these big, fancy resorts. Exactly. I mean, they're all the same. At least our inns reflect the flavor of this town. I decided to sell the place. Edgestone Resorts is buying Eddie's Pub. They could run my family out of business. Mine too. If one of us is going to close, it will not be the Mason Inn. Guess we'll find out who's closes first. What if we could get them to join forces against Edgestone? Let's do it. Cheers. <laughs> I'd say we make a pretty great team. It's the snowball toss for me. It's always the small town Christmas festivals that really get me. 
right? Everybody coming together to like build a snowman contest and all that kind of stuff that just really, it just really gets me, right? Well, listen, I don't, I don't know about you, but we could probably write our own Hallmark movie here really quickly together. We just need a small town. We need a big town. We need a big city job and a small town business. We need a little bit of a misunderstanding, but also some nosy neighbors who just all want us to get married, a dash of hot cocoa, and a little bit of Christmas decor, and wham, you have Hallmark 101. But the truth of it is, is that none of us have those perfect homes, right? Anybody, who in here like decorates every room for Christmas? Anybody got something in every room? Okay, I see yeah, a few of you. Yeah, Miss Haley does. She loves Christmas. She's got multiple trees. I can't even imagine, right? Some people go all out with that Christmas decor, all the Christmas specials. But, you know, none of us have a perfect house, right? None of us have, um, anybody have a perfect romance? No? Yeah. Miss Lori says she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of us have a perfect marriage. You know what is amazing? None of us even have perfect drama. Oh, you know, that Hallmark drama. Wouldn't it be nice if any problem that came our way was resolved within an hour and 15 minutes? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Like if everything that went wrong just magically turned out right. If some stranger just bumped into us at just the right time. You know, in all of my 20s and all of my car trouble, no handsome guy ever knocked on my window and fixed my car for me while I sipped hot cocoa. It never happened, right? There's no kind of like perfect idea of how this all happens. And that's, and that's true. It, it, there's no perfect home, no perfect life. Let me just be honest. This week, my living room does have a Christmas tree in it. It does. Leo decorated it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have one. We have a Christmas tree. We also have two baskets of laundry. And I'm not actually sure if either one of them is clean or dirty, but we're getting clothes out of them. Okay. There's also a TV tray that has about five Powerade bottles. They're all mine. Um, and a bag full of Kleenex and a box of Kleenex. That's, that's kind of where my living room is right now. I know you're thinking, well, yes, I'll be there right after church to come hang out with you. No, don't, don't. You know, none of us have those perfect houses, those perfect things. None of us have that perfect situation. None of our drama and our grief and our sadness. You know, the some things about these Hallmark movies is there's always these stories with these people who have had really horrible, sad things that have happened to them, but yet somebody comes in and swoops in and wraps everything up really quickly and nice and tidy and life is back to being perfect. And I don't know about you, but that never happens. Because also in my house this week is a little bit of sadness because the holidays do bring some sadness. There's some things that I've experienced over the years in my life around this season and time that bring with it a little bit of sadness, a little bit of heaviness, some reminders of things that are difficult about this time of year. Here's the great news that I have for you, though, and, and though as enjoyable as all of these things are, I want to tell you something really important today that I know you know but I just want to remind you of is that Jesus never visited any perfect houses. He never visited a single perfect home. He didn't really prefer perfect homes. I began as I was thinking about this and in in all of these stories and all of these movies that you see and in every Christmas movie, right? There's the perfect house. You know, the one that the kitchen, you're like, oh gosh, look at that kitchen, right? 
the perfect family dining room table where everybody gathers to eat. My dining room table has so much homework and unfinished work, and I don't even know what, soccer cleats and all kinds of things, and a bag that I'm a little bit scared to unzip because the last time I used it, I think we put something wet in it, and I'm afraid that if I unzip it, it's going to release something toxic. So I'm really thankful that Jesus does not need a perfect house to come visit. It wasn't really his style. And so I began to look through the New Testament at times when Jesus went to people's houses. When it actually mentioned Jesus going to a home. Where were the homes that he went to? What was the circumstances that brought him to the houses? So today I just want to talk to you about when Jesus stops by. In Matthew chapter 8. Verses 14 and 15, it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. You know, when Jesus comes by, you don't have to hide or tuck away the sickness. You don't have to pretend to be completely well. You know that statement that says, here in the South, we don't hide our crazy. We put it on the front porch in a rocking chair. The truth of the matter is, is in your life, whether you've been sick, like for me, for real, like I'd, I, I need a great touch from the healer's hand this week. I really do. That when Jesus comes by, you don't have to have everything together. And listen, Jesus is in the healing business. When Jesus comes to your life and into your home, and let me tell you something, your home is the place where you live, but this body is your home. Your home, you're like a turtle. It goes with you everywhere. Where you live, it goes with you wherever you go. This is your home. And there are times where in our minds and in our bodies and in our spirits, there is sickness and there is brokenness. But let me tell you something. Jesus is not turned off by sickness because sickness cannot touch him. He can touch sickness. Hear that what I'm saying to you today. Your brokenness, your sickness, your things that you deal with, they can't touch Jesus. Jesus touches them. And when he comes into a house, he brings healing with him. He brings healing with him. When I come to your house, I will bring paper products only. But this week, my friend Kaylee brought chicken noodle soup and set it on my front porch. Oh, it was so wonderful. It was homemade with the carrots and the celery and the broth And it really did bring healing to my body and to my mind and to my spirit, that act of care. And I want to tell you today, whatever is going on in your mind and in your body and your spirit, Jesus says, I am here. Let me in the door. Let me come in and touch that which is sick and broken and let me bring healing to it. That's what I do. Another house that he visited in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. 
follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners. You know, when Jesus comes into your house, it means, you know, everyone is welcome there. Even you. You're welcome, they're welcome, everyone's welcome. Jesus chose to go to the home of sinners, no perfect people. Remember, he did not go to the home of perfect people. He went to the home of sinners. He chose to be with the imperfect people, the ones that other people despised and didn't want to be around. Let me tell you, on your worst day, Jesus would still come and visit you. You know, this is why it reminds us that we're supposed to go in and visit the sick and visit the incarcerated and those who are far from God that we're to go to them. Because guess what? Remember, we are our home. Wherever we go, we take our home with us. So when I have Jesus in my home and I go to someone else, I am bringing Jesus to them. See, in this point in the New Testament, Jesus was on earth as a man. He had to physically go to people's homes. He had to physically touch people and physically be there. But guess what? As much as we would probably all love for him to physically come and visit our homes, he doesn't have to show up and knock on the door because he is with us, all of us, all of them, everyone. He chooses to go to the imperfect people's house. That's where he sets up shop. That's where he does his work. And I am looking around here, and some of you are dressed fantastic today, but I don't think any of you have a perfect house because none of us have a perfect life. And we are all in need of having Jesus show up at our door. And thankfully, he does that. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, A few days later, Jesus, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some came bringing to him paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man on the mat he was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus lives in your house, people are going to be drawn to it. People are going to be drawn to you. You ever wonder why you attract certain people? It's because Jesus lives in you. Broken people are drawn to Jesus. They need him. If he's in you, they're going to find you. They may not even know why, but Jesus will bring people to your door because they need to get to him, and you have him. There are some of you, like, let me tell you, I love going to some of your houses. My friend Dawn lives two doors down, 
And um, my son Leo loves to go down to Miss Dawn's house, and he'll just go into her kitchen and, and open her cabinets and drawers and sit and talk to her while she cooks. And part of the reason is, is she just listens to you. So whenever you go in her home, it smells like good food because she's cooking. And there's plants and pretty things. And she just, mm-hmm, yeah. And she just listens to you. And it is the most welcoming little spot to be in. You just kind of feel safe there, comfortable there. There are homes that are like that that you can walk into and you just feel instantly at ease in that home. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus in you will bring people to you. And you have to remember that you have Jesus in you. And that's part of the reason they're coming to you. And you need to remember that our job is to put people at ease so that they can experience the Jesus that is inside of us. And sometimes that may be disruptive and messy to your home. People's lives are messy. And there are people who, when they bring their mess and they're so broken, it may cause some disruption to your life. You know, it doesn't tell us who fixed that roof. You heard it, right? They dug through the roof. You know somebody was sitting down there like, I can't, are that, who gonna fix this? Who gonna fix this, right? I'm already thinking. They're looking, they're calling Van Nash. Van, what you know about fixing a hole in a roof? These jokers dug a hole through my roof. I got healed, fantastic, but what am I going to do about my roof? Listen, sometimes life gets messy, and inviting people into your circle of community and opening ourselves up to each other is going to be messy at times. It is not perfect, but it is what we are called to do. I'm so thankful for friends who have let me demolish their roof. I am so thankful for people who have allowed me to impede myself into their situation, insert myself in the middle of their lives so that I could meet Jesus with them when I've so desperately needed him. And let me tell you something today. If you are in need of Jesus, find somebody and go ahead and get in their, in their way. Insert yourself. Ask for help. Do what you got to do. You are not meant to walk through these hard things in life alone. There is somebody who will be there for you. There's a home and your home. It's where Jesus lives. And when he comes in and begins to fix you, you can expect that others are going to see what he is doing in you and they are going to want the same thing to be done in their life. And that circle of community is oftentimes messy and disruptive, but it is there that people are healed and rescued and saved and their lives are turned around. Because Jesus just went on to the next place. But these people had a circle of community around them. Thank God he had friends that said, we're going to get you to him. We're going to take you to where Jesus is. In Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 42. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus the synagogue leader, 
Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And when they went into the child was, he took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old and they were completely astonished. You know, Jesus raises dead things. And you know, the Christmas story is a beautiful story, but really it is the beginning that leads to the end. It's the beginning that leads to the resurrection. It takes birth for there to be death, for there to be resurrection. Jesus had to be born so that he could die, so that he could rise again. This little girl experienced resurrection. But I want you to pick out in here. There were people wailing and moaning and a commotion that was being made. And they told that family, don't bother him anymore. Your child is gone. Move on. (coughs) When Jesus said that child is not dead, she is alive. They laughed at him. And so he only took the few key people with him, not all the disciples, just a few, to go into that room where that little girl was. Now I'm going to tell you right now. There are some of you that are believing for some dead things to be raised. And there are plenty of voices that are telling you that that is dead. That there's no chance. That situation is dead and over. And there's no possibility. That child is beyond saving. That child is beyond returning to the Lord. That situation is gone. That marriage is done. That relationship is over. Move on. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you got to throw those voices out. It didn't say Jesus asked them to leave. It says he threw them out. He threw them out. If you got somebody in your life who's speaking death over a situation that the Lord has not said is dead, you need to put them out. And if you are speaking death over your own situation, put your own self out. Sometimes we got to tell our own selves to shut up. Who are you? Sometimes we got to look at ourselves and say, who are you to talk about the child of God like that? Jesus resurrects dead things. He still does miracles. He still does miracles. He still heals. He still restores. He still reconciles. He still brings dead things back to life. And today, if you are knowing that there is a situation that is so dead, the roots look dried up, I want to tell you right now, throw out the scoffers or shut your own voice if you have to and begin to speak life over that situation. Little girl, get up, was all he said. And he spoke life before he got there. She's not dead. She's just asleep. She's just asleep. 
Do not allow yourself, your heart, your mind to speak death over any situation, over any person. We've all been guilty of feeling that way. Gosh, there are some things, some people that it just seems like they are so far away. How is it possible that they could ever find their way back? Uh Uh-huh. Shut your mouth. Move on out. Jesus brings dead things to life. I want to tell you today, do not grow weary in well-doing. There is no expiration date on the miracles of God. There is no expiration date on those situations. God can and he will. He always comes through. We have to trust. We have to believe. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wish Mama Betty was here because she would be the one to tell you. She didn't even let us say we were going to have retreats. We had to say we were having an advance because the people of God do not retreat. We advance. So I don't know how many women's advances we had because we do not retreat. <laughs> right? Because we, there's power in your words. There is power in your words. Do not invite the scoffers to your darkest places. Only invite those who will speak life. And Jesus shows up at your door. Oh, when he shows up at your door, let him in and shut the mouth of the scoffers. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to stop and help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Y'all know Martha watched Hallmark. <coughs> She's in there trying to get everything perfect. And the whole time Jesus is sitting there, let me tell you something. Jesus will bring rest when he comes to your home. And Jesus shows up at your door, his presence brings rest. You know, their food still had to be made, I have no doubt. But Jesus, when he comes, he brings rest. Listen to this statement. He said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Few things are needed. Man, our list of worries and things that need to be fixed and things that need to be accomplished can get so overwhelming. So overwhelming. And we still have to accomplish those things. We do. There's still work that has to be done. But here Jesus reminds Martha to just pause and sit at the feet of Jesus. (coughs) You'll never regret sitting at the feet of Jesus. You'll never regret taking a pause for Jesus. Pastor Jeremy took a sabbatical this summer. It was difficult. 
It was difficult to take a break. Any of you have a trouble on a vacation? You have a hard time taking a break on vacation? Some of you are like, nope, I clock out and I'm out. Peace. Don't think about that place again. You're probably married to the opposite person, right? Sometimes it is so difficult to disconnect from what we have going on. Some of y'all are still looking at each other. I'm cracking up. (laughs) It's so hard to disconnect. But I want to tell you something. When Jesus lives at your house, take a moment and pause and just sit in his presence. Take a moment to slow down every now and then and just enjoy the fact that Jesus lives with you. Sometimes we take for granted what's in our own house, most of all. Jesus has chosen to take residence in you. Pause and enjoy his presence. He lives there. Don't dismiss him. Don't overlook him. Take time to enjoy him. And last, one of my favorite little stories. Luke chapter 19, verses 5 through 9. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I'm sweating to death. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. The ultimate thing that Jesus brings when he shows up at your house is salvation. It's the most important gift that he gives. When he stops by your house and you make the decision to open the door and let him in, salvation comes to your house. It's the very first thing, the very most important thing that he brings to each and every one of us is the choice of salvation. And in that moment, Zacchaeus chose to welcome in the Savior, and instantly his life was changed. Instantly, just by letting Jesus in, salvation came to him. I know that there are those of us in here today who need healing, those of us in here today who need restoration, who need some peace. We need some resurrection power to come to us. But first and foremost, we need to all remember and know that the most important thing that we need is Jesus just to come in and save us. And thank God he has chosen to show up at our messy houses, our imperfect houses. A little side note right here. Jesus did visit some other houses, the houses of several Pharisees. Those were the people who invited him to come see their perfect religious homes. Well, they generally got upset when he came to their homes because he did things like didn't wash up. Let a prostitute come in to their home and wash his feet. And then he had the nerve to heal people on the Sabbath day while in their homes. They were disappointed that he didn't judge and cast out 
they were disappointed that he didn't follow all the rules. And they were so disappointed that Jesus didn't do all the things they thought he should do that they missed out on what he was there to do. Listen to me. Jesus has shown up at your house. Don't be so disappointed that he's not doing what you think he should in other people's houses that you miss what he's supposed to be doing in yours. (coughs) People need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Look in the mirror. You need him too. We all need him. Those people missed out on what Jesus could do for them because they were so focused on him not doing what they thought he should do in the way he thought they thought he should do it. Side note, Jesus never did anything the way people thought it should be done. When you catch yourself being like, well, I just don't think this is the way Jesus would do it. Uh, that's probably exactly how he would do it then. He made a mess of religion, messed it all up, turned it on its head. Jesus showed up and said, there is nothing anymore that can separate you from me. I am coming in to live in your messy house. I'm coming in to embody and live within you. I am coming now so that there is no longer any separation between you and God. Nothing anymore. And so today, we have to know your home may not be perfect. Your marriage may not be perfect. Your children probably are not perfect. Your Christmas tree might be crooked. It may still be in the box. But here's the thing. Jesus shows up and he is not looking for anything perfect. Because he came for real people, real homes, real lives. And he says, let me in. Because when I come in, I heal, I welcome everybody, I will bring people to you, I will raise the dead things, and I will give you peace. But most importantly, I've shown up at your imperfect, messy house to bring you salvation today. Our lives will never look like an hour and 15 minute Hallmark movie but they all look similar because we all have the same Jesus who showed up at our door and said, let me in. I'm here to save you, heal you, restore you, use you to bring others to me. That is the gift of Christmas. Let's pray today. Lord, today, I pray for those who are here today in need of healing, myself included. I pray, God, that you would touch our bodies today, that you would touch our minds and our spirits today. God, we need your healing touch. 
We need your healing touch. God, I pray today that you would remind each and every person here that you are not looking for perfect people, that you see them as they are, and you accept them, and you love them, and you are welcome and excited to come into their lives. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to have eyes to see those you are drawing and bringing to us. Help us to not be discouraged or frustrated, but to have eyes to see those you are bringing to us so that we can bring Jesus to them. Help us to open the doors of our lives. And Lord, today I pray that your resurrection power would embody our lives and begin to raise up dead dreams and dead hopes. And that those things that have been seemed, those people, those relationships that have seemed so far gone that they were beyond resurrection, that you would remind us today that you are the only one who has power over death, hell, and the grave. And I pray today that you would bring resurrection power to come into our lives today. And Lord, I pray that you would bring peace during a busy time with so much going on in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that you would bring rest in your presence. Help us to see and acknowledge you in us so that we can rest in your presence. And I thank you today, God. Most importantly, I thank you for your salvation. Thank you for showing up at each and every one of our doors and saying, I choose you. I'm here to save your soul. In Jesus' name, amen.